0: The following is a production of Galactic
1: Netcasts.
2: Before there was radio, TV, or podcasts, people gathered together to tell stories. These stories were meant to entertain or educate. It really drew people in and helped them forget their troubles of the day and experience something they've never imagined before or maybe illustrated something in a way that was more easily to mentally digest. This tradition has been reborn in the forms of not only RPGs and LARPs, but in console, card, and board games as ways to tell a story and bring you into the tale. We're gonna be talking about news, Kickstarters of games you should be aware of, and interview a guest about a topic that involves some aspect of storytelling. We welcome you to the Adventure Party. Oh, and welcome to the 32nd gathering of the Adventure Party on this, the 15th of November. I'm your party leader, Brad Ludwig. We ask that you peace-tie your swords, holster your blasters, and make sure you have your dice ready while you are gathered at the meeting table. Our guest this evening is Tristan... Uh, K- oh and running. The one pulse. name that I should have gotten, because my mother's name is Chris, with a K... You'd think I would have had no problem with that and stumbled over your last name. I apologize, Chris. Our guest is Chris Tregenza of 66RPG in Nottingham, UK. Now, don't confuse them with 66 Studios, which is a gaming table-like furniture company in Wisconsin. Okay, they're very different, so if you do look for them, and we'll give you... Uh, the location of their Twitter and Facebook pages and their homepage, but it is 66RPG, so don't confuse them. This is very different. We are going to be talking with Chris about his currently running Kickstarter for Age of Legends, which is a setting for the 66RPG system that he has put together. So welcome to the show, Chris.
3: Thank you for having me. It's good to be here.
2: And there is a six-hour time difference between us. It is a little past midnight in your neck of the woods, so we will make sure that we don't uh, dilly-dally and we move forth with the show. Our second-in-command here is uh, Glenn Bittner, and he is a movie reviewer. Uh, He has a show called The B-Movie Bunker, and he is the creator of the RPG Mistrunner. How are you, sir? Uh,
0: I am doing fine. Try not to feel guilty over our Manifest Destiny. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yes, we had that discussion earlier about uh, Wisconsin names uh, of, of cities and, and things like that and how we appropriated some of the native uh, Iroquois nation languages to uh, uh, name our towns while we shooed them off to the reservations. And uh, we're not feeling very good about that A bit of history, but there you have it. Um, then we are going to move on. We're going to take our guilt and shame and shove that down into a corner and move on to happier subjects, which, to start, will be your review for a game that was released in 2007 called Galaxy Trucker. Tell us more, Glenn.
0: Galaxy Trucker. All right. This game, uh, as you said, is from 2007. The creator, whose name I I always pronounce wrong, it's Vlada Chivatal, Chivatal, something like that, who has done another one of my favorite games called uh, Dungeon Lords. But this one, it's two to four players. It takes about 60 minutes to play. What you are is each of you are basically the pilot of a ship, and you have to first build your ship and then take your ship, which is composed primarily of sewer pipes because other planets in the galaxy need sewer systems, uh, so you build your ship out of these sewer pipes and other components so that you can weather all the various things that you will encounter in space, hopefully arriving intact with cargo and possibly other things. This game is a lot of fun. It's basically kind of a tile-laying game where each player, you have, uh, you have a board. that gives you the template for how big your ship can possibly be. And the shipbuilding part is all real-time. You start a sand timer, and everyone, and you can only use one hand, is going to be drawing tiles out of the center to make their ship. This gets a little tricky because you have to place tiles where they line up. Different types of connectors. You have to obviously have, have engines facing to the back of your ship because engines to the side won't do anything. You need to have lasers protect yourself from things that you can encounter, like pirates and meteors, so you have to make sure that your lasers are actually facing out away from your ship. You need batteries to power things. You need crew compartments to hold your crew. You need cargo spaces to hold cargo. There will be different challenges you will face on each run you make. And you can, if you want, during the shipbuilding time, use some of your precious building time to look at the face-down cards and see what's approaching. So now if you see that there are a whole bunch of asteroids coming up, you're going to want to try to get as many laces as you can on your ship. The other thing is, is that the first person who decides their ship is built takes the first player token and so on, until everyone has finished building their ship, or time runs out. You then will reveal the cards that show what has happened. If you encounter aliens, or, sorry, pirates, or asteroids, or maybe you get to stop somewhere and pick up some cargo, or stop like an intergalactic junkyard and do some salvage, and maybe even add extra tiles to your ship. Then you find out who arrives first, second, third, and so on at their destination, if you arrive at all. And you score points based on when you arrived, as well as what you actually managed to bring with you. You do this for three rounds. Person at the end of three rounds with the most credits wins. What I love about this game is it creates a lot of fun discussion, particularly at the end of the shipbuilding phase. Because as you are building it, yes, you got some, Brad has some nice pictures up here. On your game board, there is a chart, or basically there are two rows of numbers where when bad things happen, so asteroids will come in and the first player will roll dice and say an asteroid comes in in column number six. If you have a laser there, you might be able to stop that asteroid from hitting your ship. If not, it'll knock out the first section of your ship that it hits. If that happens to be the only part connecting that section of your ship to something else, you then have to decide which half of your ship you are going to keep. (laughs) So it's, it's quite interesting because it's, it's first of all, as I said, you have different connectors and you have to play things different ways. You can, when you draw a title, decide not to use it and put it back, at which point you put it back face up, they all start face down. But it's tricky because you're in a race against the clock because you have to make sure you get all the different modes you need. You want batteries. If you have batteries, your lasers will work. Without batteries, your lasers will something to absorb the hits of meteors. <laughs> So, uh, like, an example in the picture Brad is showing, column eight, if that took an asteroid hit from the front, it would knock out the one piece that's connecting four other tiles to the other part of the ship, which also contains two of your, actually three of your engines. So you'd be moving a lot slower when all of that goes floating off into space. And there's a lot of discussion on how ridiculous people's ship designs are. <laughs> and if, I'm going to recommend another reviewer as well to get a really good look at how silly this can be! There's a a great group of reviewers called uh, Shut Up and Sit Down, who are actually also based out of England. They do some great game reviews, and they're sh- they have a short one of Galaxy Trucker, and they have a longer one of the Anniversary Edition, which has came out, I believe, last year. So, but the game is just an absolute blast. I mean, it's it's the fact that you've got all this real time stuff going on. You're trying to build your ship. It ends up being ridiculous, and I like the fact that. If anything bad happens to you, you really have no one to blame but yourself because you're the person who built the ship. Yep. (laughs) So if you end up building your ship and go, I'm done, and then realize later, oh, I have seven lasers and I have no batteries. (laughs) Well, that's great. Or, you know, oh look at that. I have no cargo holds, so I guess I'm picking up no cargo along this journey. Or I have nowhere to put crew everyone starts the little blues your command base your command module your command pod starts in the center all the time so I just I like it because it's very I like games that have a bit of that real-time feel to them sometimes uh, where you know you've got that clock counting down because the thing I hate most in gaming above all other things other than cheaters is uh, the analysis paralysis yeah of the all right mm-hmm. I'm not gonna spend 18 minutes to, you know figure out Every possible combination, this Carcassone tile can fit on the board while mentally tallying all the possible points I could get in each one. And I'm just like, no, that's not. Stop. I just want this is a 45 minute game and your turns are taking twenty minutes apiece. So <laughs> that's one of the things I love about this game is just that that kind of craziness and the fact that it's it's just it's funny to see the different designs that come out. And then also realizing, especially if you looked ahead and said, There's lots of asteroids. And I didn't find any lasers to put on my ship. So I hope that I just at least managed to save one engine so I can finish the journey. That's all. So, And I have played games where, three-player game, where no one had any engines left or pretty much any ship left at all because we all designed our ships really poorly and things just kept getting knocked off and be like, look at that, that's one hit. That makes me lose five tiles because I'm an idiot shipbuilder. (laughs)
2: Uh, See, I I thought you were going to mention Black Crayon Obviously there are no crayons used in this game Someday we'll have to tell the story of uh, Pat Rothfuss a Rail Builder game and how he's no longer allowed to use a Black Crayon when playing
0: Uh, Ah, Rail Builder games You know, there's a long time for turns
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah Yes. Okay. And for um, those
0: who are interested, this one retails around $75. Oh, wow. It's a big box. It's a very big box.
2: Okay. And uh, as I had seen earlier, two to four players. Correct. Okay. And it's 10 and up, and it's an hour to play. Which Roughly, yes. Yeah. That's That's pretty cool. And it just sounds like a whole lot of fun. It is. A good family game night thing. As long as you your family is up to four people. Then I could see there being fighting with the kids.
0: Or, you know, you just pick favorites amongst your children and have one of them sit in a corner.
2: <laughs> ah, the therapy bills. Yes. Good time. Chris, uh, we've only just met you. Uh, obviously, you're an RPGer. Would you play a, 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 a board game like this? Yes, I, I I
3: have a small palette of board games because we have a regular Thursday night session. You know, it's around my house. So, but every now and again, one of the players can't make it, and so we don't play the regular game. We'll quite often just drop in a board game. And at the moment, we because we, this only happens like once every couple of months, we have one game on the go generally. At the moment, it's pandemic, and we are absolutely loving it. I mean, it is just such a fantastic game. It's got an old game called Ursup, which is a, where you're you amoeba and you evolve. It's a German game originally, but early, oh. back, probably about 10, 12 years ago, it probably came out. But it's, it's a wonderfully silly game where you sort of choose evolutionary traits, like you can choose to drift with a currents or you can choose to be a predator and things like that. And it's constantly changing. Very simple mechanics but always gives a, like Pandemic, always gives a different result.
1: Sure.
3: So, uh, yeah, we, we generally have like uh, one or two on the go, which we, we're playing, but I'm, I'm, I'm not a board game freak in by any uh, stretch of the imagination.
2: <laughs> and that's okay, too. That's okay, too. And, yeah, I, in, uh, I'm teaching uh, in the evenings at uh, a local technical college, so I, I had to take about... It'll be about six months by the time we're done here uh, off from our RPG group that we normally played on Monday nights. So uh, I think after I'm done teaching this semester, I'll be taking the next one off and, and playing games again, which will be nice. I, I kind of miss that. But yes, we would do a pickup game of something, whether it would be like Wings of War. I don't know if you're familiar with Wings yeah, of War. I love
3: it. Yes. Yeah.
2: Or, uh, gosh... Other board games, uh, the the person's house that we play at, uh, he's got a huge room full of uh, board games as well, so...
3: Yeah, yeah the, the Conan one, I can't remember what that was called, it might just be called Conan, uh, that one we really enjoy because we've got quite, quite a few of us are Conan fans around the table, sure. and Arkham Asylum I think, which oh. personally I don't get on with that one, it's just too complicated, uh, I just find it too much hard work. I like, I like my board games, nice and simple, fast play, I like what you're saying about the um, the spaceship game, is that, yeah, it goes through quickly, the real time forces people to have a turn, because that's what I do find that annoying.
2: No, absolutely. Uh, my general rule is if a game says it's going to take more than two to three hours, I'm out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I have no interest. All right. Thank you, Glenn. Uh, we are going to move on to a bit of news that, that caught my attention, and uh, normally we we let Ryan Murphy do the computer game stuff, but this really caught my eye, and I have a feeling that he's going to talk about it too, but uh, what the heck. J.J. Uh, Abrams, I think we may have heard about this, uh, this person who has made some films and some TV shows that we like. Uh, he is going to be making an espionage RPG video game, which I thought was very interesting. That game is called Spy Jinx. Um, now, he's kind of known for his uh, spy show that he did called Alias with Jennifer Garner, and uh, his bad robot team is uh, joining forces with uh, CHAIR, I like that, C-H-A-I-R is the, the group's name, uh, to make the game Spy Jinx. Uh, The Unreal 4 engine-powered experience uh, is described on the official site as a unique mix of action, strategy, gameplay, dynamic world building, and RPG character development. All set in a thrilling, treacherous world of espionage. Uh, If you're curious about this content, you can sign up for the beta right now on the website. Uh, The game is expected to hit PC and mobile, that's interesting, in 2016. And, uh, let's see, Abrams and Donald Mustard... Uh, were quoted as saying uh, we're gonna focus more on Abrams uh, Abrams said I feel it's a natural progression from what we've been doing we really wanted to expand into this area of entertainment Abrams went on to say that he understands the history between Hollywood and the video game industry has not always been the best and that Spy Jinx came from a natural collaboration between the two groups instead of one forcing an idea on the other. Uh, the story that I found is from geek.com, and we'll have a link in the show notes to uh, have you look. I only grabbed sections of the story, but they have more information at the uh, at geek.com. So, Abrams has done some pretty good work. Uh, the Alias, well, in my opinion, the first two to three seasons were really good after that. Mm, I checked out. Um, I really loved the first Star Trek film that he did. And uh, everything that he's been doing with Star Wars has been really fascinating. We'll see what actually happens with the uh, with the f- actual film once it's released in, oh gosh, in about a month now, isn't it? We're heading up to that time period. Uh, what do you guys think about J.J. Uh, Abrams and getting into into gaming? Who's well, I think he's
3: uh, I think he's chosen a god awful name. I mean, Spy Jinx. I mean, he's appalling. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like your cheesiest phone game ever. You yeah, know, so. Uh, I don't know, but, yeah, he, he's done such great stuff, and I think it's going to a lot depend on how involved he is. Is he just a name on, on this product, or is he actually, you know, really involved in sort of like the, the story and everything? Um, but, yeah, it, it's certainly interesting to see him moving into this.
0: I would agree with Chris that the name is not a good... If you told me there was a game called Spy Jinx, I would think this is something for my five-year-old to play. It, it sounds it sounds like a, the, the name sounds like a little kid's game. Um, or a bad movie starring uh, the Paul Blart guy or something. <laughs> Paul, Paul Blart, Mall cop in Spy Jinx.
2: <laughs> Kevin James?
0: Kevin James, that's it.
2: You know, looking and... Uh, I've got this shared uh, on the video... Uh, version of, of the show here, it reminds me of, uh, shoot, what was the PC game? Um...
0: You got to give me more than just PC <laughs> game. Credit. Uh,
2: Cause,
0: shoot! Because right now, that to me that means
2: Fallout. Yeah, 4. <laughs> there's just been a couple. Um, uh, it was a kind of a parody it was a a spy based game it it was like tongue in cheek James Bond if you did the story play the main character was a female Uh, it was done in kind of the 60s James Bond style Um, but you had like a perfume that could knock out people Um, Uh, gosh darn it I think I know what you're thinking of, and I cannot. Uh, no one game. lives forever. That's what it was. Yep. I'm going to do a screen share so people don't think I'm absolutely insane here. Um, yeah, it was a game from 2000. Yes, the operative. Nobody. And uh, no one lives forever. And uh, we had a a coworker who had a. <sighs> had a massive in-house gaming system where he had 10 computers that were all linked together and we would do massive uh pvps in his basement and this was one of them that uh gosh we played this for hours it was just ridiculous uh the amount of fun that you could have and the interactivity between um the different types of they had three different lipsticks (laughs) That good one was explosive, one was a knockout, and uh, it was just and, and the the whole story uh, harm was the name of the organization. You kind of like Specter. I mean, you know that whole vibe to it was just very tongue-in cheek and very funny. So I'm kind of wondering to make a long story short, looking at um, their website, for there we go for spy jinks looking at the silhouettes that they have, I'm kind of wondering if they're not shooting for something not unlike that Maybe so I guess uh, time will tell as uh, as we move forward I'm gonna jump over to their Facebook page to see if they have any other any other bits right now but, um, not looking like they have much to give at this point. So, ah, well. We'll keep an eye on this. I'm sure Ryan Murphy will be talking about this uh, for you know up until the point where it's released, uh, and that's later in 2016. So we'll have more information then, I guess. Uh, have you guys ever played No One Lives Forever, or am I completely out in left field by myself on that?
3: I've heard no. of it. I've never played it, Chris. No, that one's passed me by completely. <laughs>
2: and and that's all right. It was uh like I said, it was it was a game. Actually, it seemed to be more fun if you did, uh, PvP. You know, playing against yeah. other people. Um, but uh, yeah, it was a it was a good time. All right. On that note, since we did mention Ryan Murphy, uh, like I said before, he contributes uh, more. Computer and console game news for us, and he has another report for us, so uh here you go, Ryan. Take it away.
1: Welcome to Galactic Gaming News for the week of November 13th. I'm your host, Ryan Murphy. Let's take a look at the headlines from Out of This World. First up, Nintendo gave us some new release information for some sci-fi and sci-fi related goodness, including Star Fox Zero once delayed from its holiday slot to april 22nd 2016 so that's when we'll be able to check out the next adventure of fox McCloud and his furry slippery friends next up we have twilight princess hd rumored leaked what have you is finally coming march 4th 2016 with uh, zelda for wii u confirmed for 2016. again confirmed for 2016 almost as many times as they confirmed it for 2015. That actually, uh, Twilight Princess HD will launch with a Wolf Link amiibo, which looks really cool, and it will actually work with Zelda for Wii U, so that's exciting. Finally, they announced Cloud from Final Fantasy VII will be in Smash Bros., and that's not all. We're getting a Smash Bros. Direct in December, so we won't have to wait long for more news from Nintendo. Next week, we have Star Wars Battlefront opening up on uh, November 17th. If you're an Xbox One owner and want to fork over $5 to EA, you can get access this weekend and play for 10 hours until the game releases November 17th. Now, if you're not an Xbox One owner, you can wait until the 17th. Pick up Star Wars Battlefront. It looks amazing. I played the beta. It looks really cool until you see the uh, heroes that come out. I think they look kind of weird and fake. Uh, Not to say it's not very cool to play as Han Solo and Luke Skywalker and yada yada. You know, if you're a huge Star Wars fan, this is probably the video game we've been waiting for because it looks like it's going to be fantastic. Finally, some slightly sci-fi related, but really just a good cause. Extra Life. This weekend, Saturday, November 14th, myself and Gamers In folks, Jocelyn Moffat, James Bartholomew from Initiative Check, we're going to be playing video games for 24 hours in support of Extra Life and Children's Miracle Network Hospitals. What that means is, for 24 hours, we're going to be streaming video games at twitch.tv slash amovetv in hopes that you will donate and help out a local, a local charity that we are fighting for. I myself am playing for Sick Kids Foundation out of Toronto, Ontario, and I'm really excited by the donations we've got so far, but we've got a long way to go to hit our goal. We're playing all day Saturday. If you're hearing this after the 14th, you can still donate up until December 31st. To do that, you can go to bit.ly slash TGI 2015, TGI all caps, and that'll take you to our to our team page in which you can check our roster, choose someone to donate to, and help a great cause. Our goal is 4,000 this year. We've uh, We've hit that goal before. We're hoping we can hit it and go a little higher. We are really excited to play video games for 24 hours, but we're more so excited to get those donations coming in for this great cause. 100% of the proceeds goes to these charities. None of it is kept. It all forwarded onto the hospital. Some sci-fi notes that we'll be playing. We're going to be playing Starcraft 2, of course. We would would not want to step away from that. Overwatch. There's going to be some Overwatch beta play. Anybody who has beta is welcome to join us. Some other sci-fi stuff. Viscera cleanup detail is on the docket. That should be fun. I haven't played that in a very long time. We had a, someone donate and suggest it, so I added it to the schedule. So I'm really looking forward to it. I'm just going to pull up our schedule here and, and see if there's any other shining uh, sci-fi notes. Rocket League, very sci-fi. It's soccer with a car. It's pretty sci-fi. Mass Effect 3 multiplayer in the morning. That's going to be a throwback. It's kind of a tradition of ours, at least until the next Mass Effect comes out, and then we'll probably play that one. But anyways, Extra Life is is... Partly about video games, but it's mostly about helping kids. Go to bit.ly slash TGI 2015, TGI all caps. Choose someone on the roster to donate to. It all goes to the charity. None of it stays uh, with anybody else but the charity. So donate, share the link, watch us play tomorrow morning, the 14th at 10.30 a.m. And we'll be playing on twitch.tv slash TV all day. So you can't miss us. And again... If, you, uh, if you're if you listening to this after the 14th, there's still time to donate. Just go to bit.ly slash TGI 2015. This has been Galactic Gaming News, a weekly segment for Galactic Netcast. For anything I do, go to ryanmurphy.ca or follow me on Twitter at rmurphy. If you're interested in more video game goodness, be sure to check out the Gamers Inn at GamersInPodcast.com. Each week, Joss and, Moff and I run down the games we've been playing, chat industry news, and take questions or comments from listeners like you. Alright,
2: thanks Ryan. We're going to move on to our Kickstarter spotlight, and last week, Glenn brought uh, the foam LED saber to be clear. It is not a lightsaber. It is an LED saber. (laughs) Uh, Was his uh, Kickstarter pick last week. Uh, How are they doing, Glenn?
0: They are doing swimmingly. They were looking for $38,259. Um and they are currently at $72,425, with a little over two weeks to go still. Nice. Um, That's with 185 backers. And a big reason why there's so few backers is because if you want anything of any substance, you're looking at a couple hundred bucks. Yeah. But if you really have been jonesing for a lightsaber that lights up that you can hit people with, Maybe $275 isn't the worst way, or sorry, $210 isn't the worst way you could spend your money. 275 for those of you who live in Canada.
2: <laughs> All right.
0: So, yeah, it's getting made.
2: It is a go. So if you are a... I wonder if they ha, They must have rules for some kind of Star Wars LARP or something like that. Um or if you enjoy uh, or have a Halloween costume in which you are a Jedi, uh, that's awesome. That would work for you. And they also offer a, a wide variety of other foam weapons. But uh, this is their Kickstarter to start their, their line of the LED sabers. So uh, Calamusil is the name of the, uh, the company. So if you're looking for foam weapons, you might want to give them a, a look-see. Well, our Kickstarter that we're going to talk about this week, and part of the reason why Chris is here to speak with us, is, and and Chris approached me and uh, I watched the video for this on the Kickstarter, and uh, I mentioned this on Twitter, I am a sucker for Greek mythology. Absolute sucker. That was, my mom got me interested in mythology, I got to... might even still have her copy of Bullfinch's Mythology. I think I do. That was hers. Um, so I really, I really loved the stories from Greek mythology. And here, Chris and his uh, his group at 66 RPG have put together a setting for their 66 RPG uh, core system. And that setting is called Age of Legends Epic Adventures. Small rules, I like that. Small rules, (laughs) tabletop RPG. Uh, I encourage you, and and we'll have the link in the show notes, uh, and also you can just look them up on Kickstarter, look for Age of Legends, and watch the video. You will not be disappointed. Uh, If you have ever had the opportunity to see any of the artwork on um, Greek uh, vases or other... um, Trying to think of other artwork on um, on walls or things like that. It really reminded me of that 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 style, and they really kept that whole style throughout this video. And it was a great explanation of what the system is about. And since we don't have the ability to to share that audio from the video, and we have you here, Chris, why don't you give us some details on Age of Legends?
0: Can I just make one comment about the video first? Oh
2: yes, absolutely.
0: I love the fact that you're telling you're basically starting off by telling an epic tale. And what a lot of Kickstarters a lot of Kickstarters try to do this and a lot fail is I'm listening to them like, hey, they got someone who actually sounds epic. Yes. And then I said, Oh well, they cheated, they're British. <laughs> it's, just, it's, just, it's, just, it's, just, it's just kind of built in. I, uh,
3: so uh, I can, I can I, assure you we don't all sound as good. No, no. But, it's, 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 but yeah, we we have an unnatural advantage. We just sound superior to America. I, I can't, we can't help
2: it. And and God but, bless you. Because that, that it's worked well for you.
0: Yeah, because the only epic voice we have in America is the In a World. Yeah. And it only works for movies. Only works for, for bad movies with Tom Cruise. <laughs>
3: I don't know, I mean if I had to, if, if I could I would've got Morgan Freeman to do the voice but he he would have made it work.
2: <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Uh, please uh, tell us more about the Age of Legends setting for the 66 RPG system.
3: Well, it's, um, it's ancient Greece reimagined. Um, we decided not to go down the route of just parroting all the classic you know, Hercules and stuff like that, legends, because that's been done before. And also it has to be said that they come with a lot of baggage. Um, you know, the uh, ancient Greek society isn't our society and there's aspects in that which we weren't comfortable with. So we reinvented it. We've set it sort of like about... It's 280 BC, so it's it's about 60 years after the 300 Spartans events, and it's sort of one of the sort of most dynamic periods of Greek history. You've just got the Romans sort of starting to nibbling at the edges, coming in. You've still got the Persian threat on one side. And what we said, and what happens if the gods came back and started meddling in the world? All these Olympic gods, you know, Ares and Zeus, and all their petty rivalries and bickering and things like that. They have they come back into the world and they started picking mortal champions, which is what the player characters are. They're, they're chosen by the gods who come down and say so basically say, "You, you're going to be my champion," and you don't really have a choice because it's a god, you know. Uh, <laughs> And they need these champions because the titans, who are imprisoned in Tartarus, are starting to break free and they've got their own agents, their own champions, effectively. So you've got these mortal agents working for the titans and the player characters who are the champions of the gods and they're meant to sort of stop the the agents. But of course, actually what mostly happens is they're meddling, the gods are meddling, The people they're actually meant to be working for are actually the biggest danger to the characters um, and then of course we've got all the legendary monsters we've got minotaurs and sphinxes and centaurs and you know everything from Greek mythology we could pluck out of you know, and we, we put them all in this big mix and then you've got all the city-states of Greece with their polis and um, politics, you've got Athens which is democratic at this point you've got Sparta which has just been defeated by its slaves so there's an awful lot going on because we wanted to give GMs a, a setting where they weren't it wasn't limited it wasn't just like oh go down a dungeon or oh you' got to fight a dragon you know that you want to make it a really complicated political game you've got all the elements to do that if you want to go out and hit big monsters with swords you can do that you know and the, the Greek mythology is so rich we' got to pick and choose the ideas we want to do Retailed some of the legends in a more sort of acceptable way or more modern way, and just create a big melt- melting pot where you can go and be Jason of the Argonauts, basically. You know, that was pretty much our thing, you know, that classic Ray Harryhausen uh, version of Jason of the Argonauts, you know, Skeleton Warriors, but not, that's what we were after.
2: Okay, and, you know, watching that video, it really sounds like... You guys got a great handle on on everything, and uh, you did uh, allow us to take a sneak peek of, of what you have so far, and uh, looks great.
3: <laughs>
2: looks Thank great. Yes, yeah, I,
0: mean, I, I love that you went with the classic
3: Greek style of
0: art. Yes.
3: Yeah, it's one of the things I do in the Sixty Six Design. The the appeal is, I you know, I'm sort of the same age group as you, you started playing in the early the 80s, you know, we've been through so much artwork, and we've seen it progress from fairly crappy line drawings <laughs> to these beautiful, you know, detailed illustrations. And quite frankly, I'm sick of that you know, if I see one more RPG book which is styled to look like a spell book or an ancient tome, I will just scream, <laughs> I mean, for Christ's <laughs> sake I mean, be original uh, so I like I, I to do something very different with our artwork, we use a lot of white space, we use, we use photographs and things like that to it a very different feel so when we came to do Age of Legends it was, you know, what artwork are we going to use to get the style I mean, we played with Renaissance paintings and things like that, and they're, they're obviously fantastic artwork, but we couldn't really get them to fit in. And I thought, hmm, Greek pottery—that's a very simple style, which means we don't have to pay the artich- artist very much to produce a lot of artwork. So it captures the spirit of what we want. It's uh, you know, it, it fits historically with the sort of setting, and it's from a publisher's point of view. It's a very good way of doing it because it meant you could do the video with the artwork and all the rest of it. So, yeah, it, it just all came together. With, it just had to be that Greek pottery style.
2: Absolutely. Um, and I'm, I'm so happy for you guys. Uh, it looks like you are uh, over $1,000 over what you uh, were looking to get um
3: that's right, we, we funded in just about a day. I'd love to say we funded in under a day, but it was actually about 26 and a half hours. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, still, that's pretty darn respectable.
3: Yeah, um, I, I was very pleased with that. We've uh, got through our first stretch goal, when was that? Not that often, Friday, a couple of days ago, and we're halfway to our second stretch goal. So, yes very pleased we're going to be able to deliver the book we want to deliver, which is, you know, as, you know, as a writer, as a publisher, you know, you, you want to get the book out as best you can, and the support we've had is going to allow us to do that.
2: Absolutely, and I, I definitely uh, plunked my money down to, to back it because it just it looked wonderful, uh, and I really wanted to get into, um, into a new system. You know, the other thing, too, that I thought was wonderful is in and I have not seen this listed for another and maybe it has been done before but the ones that I've looked at have not mentioned that they have licensing for you to share your the the content legally you actually have a license set in there for you to if you're the game master you can share the book with somebody so that they can look through uh, the materials digitally which I think is really uh, progressive. Um, I, I, I'm trying to think of some of the other folks that we've had uh, on the show where that even though I backed their products, they did not specifically mention a digital license for you to be able to, to share that. And I, I thought that was wonderful uh, that, you, that you took that step.
3: I mean, like most things we do, it's, it's a combination of a sort of a philosophy and practicality um, you know, me and a lot of the other writers, we're very much in a sort of creative commons, open source, you know, all that sort of thing, that community effort where you sort of, you, know, you pay it forward. You know, you, you take what other people have created and you add your own bit and you make it available to other people. So it, going creative commons with all our stuff was, you know, made a, was philosophically right. But also the practical fact is that people will share PDFs. You know, it, yeah. it happens. I mean, why people try to stop it and, you know, we had, a few years ago we had the whole thing about the books being taken down from RPG, now the D&D books being taken down because they're being copied. And I was just sitting there thing. thinking, why? You know, you, people who have the PDF well, either, were never going to buy the, your product anyway, or, now we've got the PDF, will go and buy buy one of your future products, or, or buy a print copy of the PDF they've got, or whatever it is. Giving away the PDF, saying to people, look, take it, share it with your fellow gamers, give it to whoever you like, is a way for us to spread the game, and we yeah. want people to play the game. It's not a game to sit on a shelf, it's a game to be played, so get out there, copy our PDFs, give them to people, you can edit them, you can sell them, you can do what you like with them as long as you stick to the fairly simple Creative Commons license, which is, you've got to say it's by 66, the relative authors, and you've got to also share it under the Creative Commons. So anything you do with our stuff also has to go out into Creative Commons so other people can use your input. And we all get richer by that, by sharing our culture.
2: Oh, absolutely. And I, I applaud you and, and your company for, for taking that approach. I, it's, it's, it's very practical <laughs> in this day and age. I mean, in all honesty, that's just the truth of, of where we've gone. With e-readers and with everything else, if you, you have the capability to turn something into a PDF, it's most likely going to be shared. And yeah. you, you've built that into your philosophy, into your company, and, and I, I applaud you and your team for, for, for having that view, uh, for being uh, practical and living in the now where a lot of companies don't. So kudos to you and your team. Um, so let's see. Uh, like we normally talk about, uh, now we're going to do a, a pounds and, and U.S. dollars here. Uh, If you do a pledge of 10 pounds or about $15 U.S., uh, you can get a PDF edition of Age of Legends. Now, uh, to be clear that this is the setting for the system. This doesn't come with the core rules, correct? That's right. Okay. So you will be getting a setting for the 66 RPG system. So you would need to invest in getting the the core system to have the full rule set but this is uh, in addition to that and um, you get 128 full-color pages of the gods, ancient Greek society, monsters, character paths and equipment so everything to layer onto the 66 system to play in this particular world and uh, I like this every 66 PDF comes with the living document promise membership of the 66 online and is under the creative commons so you can legally share this with your friends and that was as soon as I read that line I'm like I'm going to give you my money right now <laughs> that, that was that was wonderful you had me with the video and that line right there um... let's see the um... the level that I ended up donating at was at the fourteen pounds or the twenty two dollars uh, US Uh, everything you need to play PDF version, which gets you the Age of Legends plus the core PDF. So for only a a slightly larger investment, you get the core, everything that you need to run the game, and the system setting for Age of Legends. So
3: that's the level which, if you've never heard of 66 before, which, and to be honest, we're a small company, you probably haven't. Uh, and you're interested in this, yeah. Back at the 14 pound, 22 dollar mark, and you, yeah, you get this whole setting, and you get the core rules. The core rules already exist. We did the Kickstarter two years ago for those, that edition of, of the rules. So the moment you back, I'll email you, and you'll get a PDF of the core rules. You will also get a PDF, a draft PDF. Of the Age of Legends because it's already written. We've already written everything, including the stretch goals. Um, so, and um, we've done a very rough layout. Um, basically, we put the words on the page, and that's about it. <laughs> uh, but it's there. You can read it. You can play the game and work around the typos. Yeah, you know, it, it's sure. at that stage. So, yeah, that fourteen uh, pound mark, twenty two dollars, is a sort of a great. If you, not, you know, you don't have to invest a lot, and it will get you everything you need to play. Or you know, I, I it's the thirty-two pounds or forty-eight dollars ish uh, level where you get the print editions of say, the equivalent, where you get the you get the print edition of the Age of Legends and the print edition of the Court
2: Rules. And you know, I was just I was just at uh, well, well, we do have a local game store, but it's the the service is terrible. We were at another big box store, which I won't name. And uh, the uh, the core for a particular uh, system that we were looking at was $50 for just the core book, not anything else. And looking at your $49 U.S. or 32 pounds... Uh, oh, wait. Oh, I'm sorry. Where was I at? Uh, da, 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 da. Yeah, there we go. You get the full print edition. And you get the full print edition of the setting for Age of Legends... Uh, and let's see. And,
3: and at that level, you also get um, because because 66 rpg is a, a generic system. It's designed to work in any setting, and yep. we have some existing adventures which we did in our last Kickstarter. So at certain levels, you'll get the PDFs of some of our adventures or print editions of some of our adventures as well. So you can play Age of Legends or you can play, uh, I think on Kickstarter, we've got um, Dungeon of Demon Strata, which is a, sort of, it's a modern take on a dungeon crawl, effectively. Uh, we've got Mince, Poison, Murder, which is a 1920s whodunit. And we have a, uh, The Road to Petra, which is modern horror and it's entirely combat-free. It, it's all about the investigation of the horror and nothing about actually fighting monsters. So three very different adventures uh, to complement the Age of Legends, so, and also to demonstrate just the variety uh, of things you can do with the 66 system.
2: Yeah, I. I it, it looks like, from, from what I've seen of the 66 system, the way you've constructed it is... You as a uh, game master could actually, you know, sit down and plan out a whole genre essentially, because you've got that stripped down generic set of rules, and you can just build on top of that. And looking at some of your other, actually, we'll save this for the the interview portion because I, I the more I dug into 66, the more the more I really liked it. And and I want to talk about your other products that you have available in your store as well. Um, but yeah, I, I I can't recommend this this enough. Uh, the video really sold it to me, and the whole philosophy behind how you have constructed everything here for for what you're doing is just uh, highly laudable. And I'm I was very happy to, to, to give you my money. <laughs> to, I was to, uh, very happy to take it <laughs> <laughs> uh, and to you know uh, and to help back you guys. Uh, Make something wonderful, and and uh, and hopefully you continue to to have that opportunity to to make more of these wonderful game settings. So, uh, yeah, um, please, Age of Legends, check it out on Kickstarter, and uh, I don't think that you'll you'll be disappointed. And, and please watch the video. Please watch the video. It's wonderful, absolutely wonderful. We're gonna segue now into actual the actual discussion uh, of. Uh, 66. And what I really like to do is we kind of touched basic, uh, basically on the core rules. We've talked a lot about the setting of Age of Legends, <clears throat> but uh, please uh, tell everybody about how the 66 core system works, basically. There's two
3: key elements to the 66 system. Um, but all everything in the system comes out of its desire. I wanted a game which was quick to learn because I am old. I don't have the time to learn stuff. <laughs> I, I don't have a brain to learn stuff anymore. <laughs> I'm absolutely honest. you know. Um, I, I want you know I wanted things like character sheets which had everything you needed to know printed on them. You know, not like Pathfinder where you need sixty books to. Play in standard character class, you know, and uh, I wanted um, something flexible because I wanted to have one game system which I could apply to lots of different genres. So, I, I, in order to get this to work, I needed a very simple mechanic which gave me a lot of flexibility, gave GMs a lot of flexibility so they could mix in their own stuff. And the two sort of central ideas is potential and advantages. Now, potential controls how much you can do, and advantages control what you can do. Um, potential is just like a resource. You spend potential and basically enable you to use advantages. Um, you get a certain amount of potential. You spend it. You can recoup it at a certain rate. And what that allows you to do as a player is you can, in your turn, you could have like one massive action where you spend all your potential You know, to do that mighty thwack into the monster and take it down. Or you could do maybe five or six little things. You know, move, have a stab, move again, pick lock, you know, whatever it is you're doing. So you get lots of little actions all in your turn. But if you spend potential, you don't have it in the future if you've spent it. That's the nature of these things. Um, And you need potential for everything, including defending yourself. So if you do go for that mighty chop, you better make sure it works because sure. otherwise you're standing there with your pants down, and <laughs> <laughs> you know, and the monster's getting the, the lube out. You know, it's it's um, you. So you have got that player. You you can manage your risks to a certain extent by you know. So if you're a really cautious player, you you only do like a couple of little things of reaction, so you sort of stay at the same level of potential and so you've got something if you get attacked. The other rash and charging, you, you can do that and take the consequences. So if you if you control as a player. The other side of that is your advantages, which is, as I say, what you can do. So advantages will sort of fall in different categories. So things like strength, we, we call brawn generally. So brawn, manual dexterity, wisdom, that sort of thing they're all different advantages, your equipment advantages, so your sword, your gun. Um, you also have skill advantages, so you know your weapon expertise, or your marksmanship, or whatever else. So you have, uh, your character will generally start with about 15 of these advantages. And the secret of it is that it's not, you don't just use an advantage, what you do is combine advantages. So if you want to kill that orc, you use your sword advantage and your brawn advantage and maybe you've got a bit of potential to spare, you put in your weapon skill in there. So you combine those three advantages, you get the dice value from each advantage and possibly any special effects they have. So you can mix and match any advantages. There's no rules at all to say which advantages work with which other advantages. That is left entirely to for the player and the group to decide So, if I'm hitting that orc and I say I'm using my brawn and I'm using my sword, that's a combination which makes sense to everybody. If I say, right, I'm going to do some first aid with my brawn and my sword, people are going to go, hang on, that makes no sense at all. And it's up to the group to say, just sort of set the tone. You know, you can say, because if you want to be silly and allow things, and the group wants to have a good laugh and a giggle, you can take it silly. If you want to make it really gritty and realistic, the group can just say, well, you know, you know that, that combination doesn't work. So the game adapts, to a certain extent, to the group style of play. It allows players to be imaginative about how they combine different skills. Because, you know, maybe you might have some very mundane skill like a white-collar worker. But actually be able to use that to bluff your way into a, a building, you know, because, you know, oh, I, I, I'm a white collar worker, I will just use my knowledge of timesheets or cocking in or whatever it is to get yourself in. It gives you that sort of inventiveness, but also that whole, um, what we call blagging. Uh, which is when you come up with something which is just on the borderline of ridiculous, <laughs> and you know you're just pushing the envelope, and you know and, and you know there's something you can get away with once or twice, but if you try it with every reaction the group won't let you. But everybody appreciates a good blag, a good say, you know, something slightly silly, something slightly ridiculous, but it makes the game fun. So therefore, you let it go forward. So there you have a Potential, which allows you to do how much you can do, which is like a bit of a resource management mechanic, and Advantages, which is all about thinking, how can I combine these different elements of my character to do what I want to do with my character?
2: Nice. Okay. No, that sounds pretty straightforward, <laughs> and and sounds like a very intriguing me- mechanic that you, you put together for that. Um We've spoken with other uh, indie game companies, and and it's always interesting to hear a little bit about the history and how how they put their teams together. So please tell us a little bit about some of the history of Sixty Six.
3: Um, we started out um, oddly enough doing uh, metal miniatures. Um, because one of my uh, first Night Gamers is a keen figure painter and got, got into casting his own figures and things like that. Oh, wow. So he had sort of like designed this range with no real particular purpose. He just made them for fun. And then I was sort of thinking about setting up a role-playing website. So we sort of combined our efforts and we started selling figures. And then I thought, well, I could write an adventure which can use all these figures, and then that sort of goes with that. And then... After a while, we sort of dropped the figures, and I thought, well, I could just do a game system. You know, you know we've all got that itch. <laughs> no one who's ever sat down and played a playing game hasn't thought, hmm, I could do, change those rules or do my own thing and stuff like that. So I'm so I the 66 RPG. And so that's sort of evolved. And along the way, we picked up people because we have an open door policy. So if you want to come and write through us, just contact me and say, "Look, I've got this idea. You know what we do, and we, I, we try to mentor and support each other. So this is sort of a detailed editorial process. We do brainstorming sessions. We all give feedback to each other. If you look at our YouTube channel, you'll find a whole lot of brainstorming sessions and uh, business meetings and everything like that. We we all do it online in public." Um, and you know, if you want to get involved, get involved. And you can be involved at just sort of making a comment on the post, giving you your feedback and your thoughts on a rule or something like that. Or you can turn up and write a whole 200 page setting if you want. Uh, uh, you know, and, and that's exactly what James and Mark did, who are the authors of Ancient Legends. We were at a gaming convention. They played, sat in on one of our games. We got talking, and the idea of doing Ancient Greece came out of that, and, you know, that was four years ago. It took four years to develop this book. Uh, <laughs> an awful lot of work, but it's a, a good example of how the 66 philosophy get people involved at whatever level suits them.
2: Oh, that's very cool. I, I like the sound of the, the, the company culture there. I, I really, really enjoy that. Um, have you seen, like, online communities because you, you – Let me preface this. You guys have, um, you're following Creative Commons. You are really looking to gather and also share what you put together. Have you seen online communities come together around 66 and perhaps propose settings or, you know, um, create fiction based on some of your settings or anything like that? We have a
3: um, G+ community. Um, I spend a lot of time. my social media of choice is G+ okay. and we're sort of got, like the core people are sort of like on there. And yeah we've got a cluster of, sort of very keen GMs who are running their own campaigns and they'll sort of float ideas after they'll we'll have that commentary back. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say we're a massive company, you know, sort of like, you know at, the, at the end of the Kickstarter we have 200 backers who have done really well. So it's small, but it, it has that advantage of being small in that you know each other and, you know, you, a small number of people can produce more than a larger gaggle or something better quality, generally speaking, uh, because you've got that time to give individual feedback and discuss things.
2: Sure. Okay. Um, what specific? Well, you kind of talked a little bit about y- y- my next question. Really, that I'm looking at here, that I started to go into, is kind of moot because you've covered that point. So we're going to skip on to the next question. Um, I don't want to give anything away because uh, when you gave us the opportunity to 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 look at the um, copy of Age of Legends, which you have uh, put together right now, the rough draft, um. I noticed a couple of other things in there, and is it too early? Because one of them really got me excited. What other upcoming settings are you guys looking to, to put together for 66?
3: We have in development um, uh, 66 Lovecraft. Um, it's a sort of working game. Um, that, 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 um, it has to be said that that's on a slight hiatus at the moment because it's a husband and wife team, um, and... Okay. Pat King, who is the writer, is doing the setting. And Emily is his wife, who's the artist. And they had a baby in August. And it was their first baby. And so you can imagine from sort of like some back until about April, May, when it sort of started getting serious. Yeah. Uh, you, know, <laughs> you you know, that, you know, they, they, you know I, I figured that the product's on hold for, for another six months until they sort of like, <laughs> you know, get their lives back on together. But Pat, what we're trying to do with Lovecraft is to go back to the source. So we've picked 10. Ten stories we think are good examples of Lovecraft, and we're going to bundle those with the uh, actual game because all public domain now. And we're basing the characters and the concepts we get in the game from those stories. And we're really going back to that grassroots of you know, you know, the, the core of Lovecraft, which is the unspoken horror, the hidden horror. It's, it's not about fighting Cthulhu with a machine gun.
1: Yeah.
3: It, it, it's about walking around woods where nothing happens until you're dead.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, that's I saw that and I was just like, I, take my money now. Because <laughs> I, I was so excited to see that. And I wanted to say something, but I wasn't sure if it was too soon to talk about it. But that looks like a really, really cool setting what um what settings would you like to see I mean if I know that the, the Lovecraft is on hiatus and you're finishing up this one what is your dream setting that you would want to release next
3: the the most likely one to come next is the, the one I'm personally going to work on is most likely going to be 66 Magic which is going to be our fantasy setting um, I've got some ideas uh to do with sort of like finding uh, uh, a lot of fantasy stuff, you know, it's pictures of orcs and pictures of the braces. And I'm actually interested in sort of landscapes, and there's a lot of good landscape art, classic landscape art, which can easily be a fantasy world. And so I sort of got this project which I sort of started nibbling around at the edges. Well, I'll take a, a painting, a classic painting, and I'll write a fantasy background. So you know, a spur of rock in a nice landscape actually will have a backstory about how this is significant to the goblin tribes, or you know, or, or you know, tranquil lakeside will actually be the meeting point for an annual festival, and you know, so about the world and about the sort of what it looks like without going into the here are dwarfs they, they have beards they have this that and the other you know that's sort of like all the, the the standard tropes I want to sort of like have a much richer world in the background and let the players decide well what are dwarfs are like what are orcs like what are things you know because I like you know the idea that we get away from some of these stereotypes that all orcs are bad and things like that you know someone wants to play an orc you can play it all, you know, right? why not? You know, sure. so um, that's, that's sort of like, that's, when I started 66, that's sort of what I always wanted to do, because I'm a big fantasy guy. But the setting which I think probably 66 RPG, the system lends itself best to, is superheroes. Okay. Because if you think about how the game works in terms of, like, you have advantages, and you mix them together, Constantly in superhero comics, you have variants on the hero's power. Suddenly Cyclops will be able to do a pinpoint beam or you know, or to send it extra far, or something invisible, will be able to do something special with her, instead of just having it be invisible, she suddenly develop it into a force field. And those sorts of changes to a character, as least sort list of ad. As in comics, the writers sort of say, oh, what do we need a character to do this week? Oh, that's what a superpowers can do. Mimic that in the, in the game by letting the players morph and change their powers um, as they go along. So, yeah, fantasy and superheroes are the two which, which always have been there but have never actually quite get, got into sort of like a production, so to speak.
2: Okay. Very cool. Um, and you know, and, and as you mentioned, it takes it takes a good long time to get a, a setting fully tested and put together. So these are, are, are awesome long range plans that, that you guys have to, you know, keep keep the system going, keep it fresh and keep adding new different Layers to the core system of sixty-six, and uh, that's really cool. And uh, quite honestly, this is an open invitation. Um, when you have a new product that you have to talk about, uh, I definitely would love to have you come back on and and, and talk about that, Chris. So oh, well,
3: we certainly will. You know, I, I will do anything for publicity,
2: <laughs> <laughs> and we'll do anything for guests. So we'll we'll help each other, Chris.
3: A match made in heaven. <laughs>
2: Thank you very much for talking about 66. And uh, uh, when we get to the close of the show, we'll give you a chance to um, – we'll talk about all the different places and to clarify where people can find you on Facebook, YouTube, Google+, wherever. So we'll, we'll come back to that in just a second. But we are going to wrap uh, start to wrap things up. We're going to start with uh, Hello, My Name Is, and this is your opportunity – Uh, you the listener, to tell us about your favorite character that you've played, Uh, whether it's something that you have played, I guess for clarification, or something you are currently playing. Uh, Maybe you're playing a 66 game, and um, you've created your own setting. What is that character? What is that character's name? Uh, What about them is really cool. And we have a section on galacticnetcasts.com, and you click to the show adventure party and we have a nice big link there for you to click for hello my name is and we've got a short form for you to fill out and yes we do ask for your email address no I don't have a mailing list I don't want to do that that's horrible <laughs> I don't want to spam you I have no interest in that either uh, we only ask for that information so that we can send you a certificate for participation, thanking you for taking the time to fill out that form. And in exchange, then you can have something that you can frame and, and put on your wall if you so choose or put a thumbtack through and just stick to your wall, whichever. Uh, it's a thank you gift from us to you for taking the time to to share that information uh, about your character with Hello, My Name Is. Um You can find out more about Adventure Party. uh, You can go to the shortened form now, which is gncasts.com. And you can find all of our social media outlets. We are on Facebook. We are on, more actively, Facebook and Twitter. Uh, But if you go to gncasts.com, you can find the links to all of our social outlets, including YouTube, where you can see the show uh, recorded live. Uh, When we do our show, typically Sunday nights, sometimes Saturdays, uh, the time always fluctuates. So just uh, keep an eye out on Facebook uh, and Twitter, and that's where we seem to have that information uh, the most, most prominently. If you're using uh, iTunes or Stitcher to listen to the audio versions of the show, uh, if you can take a moment to give us uh, a review or some feedback, that would be awesome. Uh, On iTunes, they have a one to five star rating system. Uh, Give us the number of stars you think the show is worthy of. And then if you give us a two-star review, just let us know. What can we do a little bit better? Or if you give us a five-star review, uh, what are the things that uh, we're doing really right? And uh, let us know. We'd like to do more of the good stuff and phase out any of the stuff that is not so good. So uh, help us make this a better show. Uh, We'd appreciate you taking the time to do that. Uh, If you use Stitcher, uh, they have a thumbs-up or thumbs-down system for rating. That's Pretty straightforward. <laughs> a little black and white, but you know what? If you give us a, you know, type us, uh, type up a little review of why you gave us a thumbs up or thumbs down, uh, that would be extremely helpful. Uh, you can also email us by going to, uh, emailing us at galacticnetcasts at gmail.com or you can call or text 805-328-3966. Again, 805 328 3966 and you can leave a voice or text message at that number. You can also go to GNCasts.com and on the lower left you'll see a button for uh, leave a message and if you have a microphone attached to your computer uh, you can leave us a message directly on the website. We have a cool plugin for a WordPress website that converts that to an mp3 and shoots us an email and then we can listen to what you have to say, uh, play it back on the show, and uh, talk about your particular feedback. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, Chris, where can people go to find out more about you and 66RPG?
3: Well, best starting place at the moment is our Kickstarter page, because obviously that's written for a very wide audience. It's a great starting point, so yeah. Get to Kickstarter, Age of Legends in the search box, you'll find us. Um, so that, that's a great starting point. Also, our website, 66rpg.com, uh, nice and easy to remember. Um, and you'll be able to find us, you'll be able to find the blog. All our books are also online in, in our wiki, because something we didn't get onto is that we use a uh, wiki to produce our books. So everything gets entered on the wiki, and then it goes out to layout software, Um, but everything on the wiki is free to read so you can actually get out there and start reading Age of Legends or McCall Rules or how far we've got on 66 Lovecraft right now and it's there for you to see.
2: (laughs) That's very cool and uh, again I want to clarify because I made that mistake originally it's not 66 Studios that is a furniture company in Wisconsin that actually makes gaming furniture Ah, uh, they make gaming tables for RPG and poker and things like that. This is sixty six RPG and uh, you can find them on Facebook uh, looking for sixty six fireball and yes. and on Twitter as well sixty six fireball. Um, so don't make that don't make the mistake I did folks. Uh, look for them at sixty six fireball on Facebook and Twitter and uh, your web address is.
3: Uh, 66rpg.com though 66fireball.com will also get to us 66fireball was the original name and when we did the system we sort of migrated uh, so yes generally yeah, just google for 66rpg or 66fireball and you will find me
2: okay, perfect, so I just want to make sure that people are finding the right place to go to find you and your and your wares so, uh, Glenn uh again, you you join me despite the fact that some days I can't talk to save my life Uh, where can people find out more about what you do uh, as a movie reviewer and Mistrunner?
0: Uh, You can find a bunch of stuff on Facebook Uh, both just follow me or Mistrunner on Facebook uh, Naked Hobo Productions, B-Movie Bunker same thing on YouTube, the B-Movie Bunker at Naked Hobo Productions follow me on Twitter at Naked Hobo
2: it's always, always makes me laugh. Naked hobo. Yes, absolutely. Uh, thank you again, Chris, for joining us at this late hour uh, in the UK. I know it's about uh, it's about one thirty in the morning there. So uh, thank you very much for uh, staying up late to record the show with us. I really appreciate it, and it was wonderful to meet you and talk about 66 RPG. Yeah, it's I'm been looking forward
3: to it. My pleasure.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yes again we have an open invite to you Chris we would love to uh, promote uh, more of your stuff uh, as it comes out because uh, the, the whole philosophy of your company is is wonderful and uh, we really want to see you guys succeed and, and if we can help in any way shape or form we would love to do so
3: Thank you very much. It's much appreciated. You know, uh, anyone who's you know, small press, podcast, whatever. We all know that publicity is like gold dust. So, yeah, <laughs> our, our, our policy is like reach out to as many people, help as many people, and you know, karma will come around and help us. Yeah.
2: Absolutely. (laughs) And uh, thank you, listeners, for joining us at the Adventure Party. Uh, May your characters never die, and your adventures always be epic. Thank you, and good night.
0: You have been listening to a production of Galactic Netcasts. For more about this show and others go to
1: gncasts.com that's g n c a s t s.com